going to just be straight up honest with you. I have not been feeling good for the last 24 hours. So I'm keeping my distance. That's about as close as you want to get. Don't move up. Don't. Don't move up. Uh, so I slipped in the back, left my mask on, and as soon as this is done, I'm going to slip out. For those of you at home, um, you may know this too. Um, I don't know what it is yet. It could just be a cold. It could be whatever. And they uh, told me that I needed to get tested next week. So they said it's too early. I just started feeling tired yesterday. So I'll get tested on Monday and we'll find out later. So in the meantime, it's going to keep my distance from everybody. So for those of you at home, for those of you on Sunday morning, here I am. And so far, so good. We'll get through uh, the next 30 to 30 minutes to an hour and a half together, just depending on my energy level, but we're going to make this. And uh, actually, it's funny. I don't, I don't feel horrible. I just feel tired. That's, that's the one thing that's been consistent for the last uh, day or so. Um, last week, uh, Jeremy did such a great job talking about Joseph, who's one of the underrated heroes of the Christmas story. We don't necessarily talk about Joseph very much. He's a character in the Christmas uh, story, but we don't mention him very much. And I just love the way he unpacked that that reality that Joseph was available. And um, he said that earlier in kind of the welcome and announcement time, you know, maybe your week had those moments where you're like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be available. And so uh, hopefully you do think about what we talk about on the weekends and God continues to stir on your heart stuff that uh, might help you as you uh, grow to be more and more like him. So uh, I, I really, I loved that last week and that was, that was good stuff. And so he started our series, Some Assembly Required. Um, just, just so you know, this, the, the title for this Christmas series came about as a result of one of our staff meetings in the summertime, and somehow that happened, uh, kind of stuck with me, and so kind of mapped it out this way. And what was on my heart when I kind of began to outline this series uh, was really just saying simply this, like when, when God invites us into a relationship with him, he accepts us just like we are. That is amazing good news. Uh, but he, he loves us too much to leave us like that. And maybe you've heard that before. Like God accepts you just like you are, baggage and all, warts and all, sin and all, mistakes and all, the whole thing. But he loves you too much to leave you like that. So he invites us in. And so our, our, really our first step to, to cooperate with him and the change he wants to do in our life is this thing called being available. It's, it's about surrendering. It's about submitting. And um, there, there's a big church word for it. It's a Bible word. And it's called being sanctified, just meaning that. I'm going to allow myself to be a part of the process where God then moves to to change me and make me uh, new from the inside out. Um, I've mentioned before recently in one of our messages in Psalm 51, David is, is praying and he's uh, asking God to forgive him for what he did. Um, and then there's this great part of that prayer. He says, God, create in me a clean heart. That's just saying, okay, God, I'm available. Come, come on in and do the work that needs to be done. That's what I want to happen. And so this idea of some assembly required is just simple. It's like, God, God creates us, makes us, and then we, we break. And then uh, some assembly is going to be required. Here's the good news. He is more than willing to do the work. Let, let that soak in for a minute. He knows what you've done. He still comes running to you, and he's willing to put in the work. And so you and I just make ourselves available. So what we're doing this, this month for four weeks of this series is really kind of unpacking some of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, find Luke chapter 2. And uh, we're going to skip over what we think of as the primary part of the Christmas story, and we're going to come back to that Christmas weekend. 
But I'm going to skip down into about verse 25 and following. We'll get there in a minute, so I'll give you a chance to find that. But uh, what we're going to find out is that there's something about the way we deal with our expectations and expecting you know, God to come through um, that, that may or may not be an accurate way to deal with everything. And so one of the things I'm going to come back, I'm going to say it over and over and over. In order for us to, to decrease the frustration and to increase the joy of what can be a very uh, difficult season, Christmas, the, the way we, we decrease the frustration, the, right, the way that we elevate the joy is we hang on loosely to these, these expectations we have, but we hold on tightly to the promises that God has given us. And so we're going to see that in a character named Simeon. Before I get there again, let me just say this one more time. The, the way we're going to do this is we're going to loosen our grip on expectations and tighten our, our grip on God's promises. Now, what are your expectations for Christmas? Probably they've changed a little bit in 2020. You weren't planning on inviting the governor to your house, but now you feel like you have to. Uh, so whatever, whatever is changing, you know, for your Christmas plans, they're changing. You know, the expectations are changing. Um, maybe, maybe you made the commitment last month when we were talking about it not to go into debt to do Christmas. And so your, your family's having to adjust their expectations of the kind of gifts they're going to be getting. Maybe, maybe the expectations are just uh, a matter of who is able to come this year and maybe who's not going to be able to come this year. So, so those kind of expectations are things that always kind of happen in life anyway. But this year has, has been a full-on shot to our regular expectations. And so let's go to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to begin in verse 25. And let's just read a few verses here and get the picture that kind of sets the stage where we're going to talk about. He says, at that time. Okay, stop for just a second. I, I just kind of dove into the middle of a section here. So Jesus is born. They've already circumcised him, and now he comes for a thing called his consecration. So the firstborn son in every home was consecrated to the Lord. God said, the firstborn belongs to me, so you have to come to the temple, offer a sacrifice uh, in their place, and then you can take that child home, but just remember the child belongs to me. And so they are, Mary and Joseph, doing exactly what God told them to do. So at that time, that, that's what's going on. That's why they're at the temple. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting. I love that phrase right there. If you have a paper Bible, you might even underline those two words. Eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That, that's a pretty amazing promise right there. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. You ever think about, and maybe you've, you've heard this in churches or whatever, but you ever think about why so many people who were living in Jerusalem missed the fact that Jesus was the Messiah? A lot of it has to do with their expectations. You know, they thought that uh, the Messiah would come in from a family of political position and power. They thought that maybe Jesus would be born into a family of, of military power. They, they thought that Jesus would come from a family of wealth and influence and power, and he would change things. In fact, they were looking forward to a physical kingdom like the kingdom King David had. And so they were like, he's going to get rid of the Romans. It's going to be a physical takeover. That's what they were expecting. And that's why when Jesus came and did what he did, it was so different than their expectations. They, they missed the promise of God. And then God chooses 
this couple from Nazareth <laughs> who are not connected, who are not powerful, who are humble, not what people were expecting. But, but Simeon has a loose grip on his expectations. He holds more tightly to the promise. So I, I really, I've said it a few times. I want you to write this one down. Could you just do that? Number one, loosen your grip on your expectations. It's such a key thought moving into Christmas in particular. Loosen your grip on your expectations. For example, one expectation of mine was to go through an entire year during a worldwide pandemic and not get sick. <laughs> How's that working for me? Yeah, not, not so good so far. Well, I, I came across some letters to Santa from kids, and I probably could have spent the next 30 minutes reading these because they are so good. But let me just give you three quick ones. So here, here's the first one. And I know that's hard to read. Let me read it for you. Dear Santa, me and my little brother have been trying our best to be good. But first things first, I would like to be an elf on a shelf. I've been practicing. I can sit on a shelf for like half an hour so far. And my brother Michael would love to be a reindeer. In fact, he's been practicing right now. He can fly two inches. But here's what I want for Christmas. And so they go into the list. Here's another one. I want a rainbow unicorn that poops ice cream. <laughs> P.S., I better get it, too. I mean, there's a little bit of a demand on this one, right? They had some pretty clear expectation that Santa could pull this one off. And apparently, this rainbow unicorn supplies ice cream for all of us on Thursday nights. No, I'm just kidding. Here's one more. Dear Santa, I love this. You can see the picture. Santa handing a gift. Dear Santa, I've been waiting for Christmas all year. Now, those are some serious year-long expectations. And some of you are planners. Okay, show of hands in this room, show of hands, planners. You like everything mapped out, you like a plan. At home, raise your hand. Sunday morning, raise your hand, yeah. So if we like a plan, the one thing that really does mess with us is when anything messes with our plan, then our expectations are messed up. And that's why we gotta hold loosely to these things because things can change as we've been shown in 2020. Well, I can, I can point it out earlier in my life. I was a senior in college. I was at a Bible college that uh, its sole purpose was to prepare people for ministry, to be pastors, youth ministers, uh, missionaries. That's really what the school did. It was a small school in the, uh, in the area of Joplin, Missouri. And while I was there, my senior year, uh, three of my really good friends, four of us hung around quite a bit together, three of my really good friends and myself were called by the dean of students to go off campus and have dinner. And we're like, oh, okay. So we, uh, we headed off campus. Now, we should have known something was wrong, first of all, because he took us to a cafeteria. We eat at a cafeteria every day, except Sundays. It was closed on Sundays. But here we go from our cafeteria to another cafeteria in town. And then I also should have known something was wrong because... We get in the front of the line. We have our tray. You know how that works? They have the little rails, and you put your tray on there. We have our rails. We have the tray. And he says, hey, get whatever you want. Well, you know what that means for starving college students? All right. So we go down. Now, we weren't excessive, but it's like, hey, I, I wouldn't have on my own dime got a dessert. But he's here. He said, get whatever you want, so I'm going to get a piece of pie. And I got my dinner. I got my drink. And we get to the end. He pays for his own and, and moves on. All, all, all four of us are like unloading stuff at the last second. <laughs> so expectations. He sits us down and he says, you, you four are leaders in our school. 
Uh, we all preached at churches on the weekends, and uh, he says, you know, people look up to you, and I've just noticed the first couple of months of this, this school year, your senior year, that um, you guys haven't been the best examples. Now, we weren't doing anything criminal, anything bad. We, we were ornery. We were having some fun. There was firecrackers involved from time to time or whatever, but it wasn't like horrible stuff. And, and in fact, he, he listed out seven things. Not, not that all four of us had done all seven things. Some like be like one person did this, so it's on the list. Another person did this, so it's on the list. So seven things for the four of us. He just said, these are, these are bad examples. And to be honest, we just sat there and we're like, you know what? Okay, we get it. We're examples. We're going to do a better job. We left that meeting, and it was about a month before he called us again. And he calls us saying, hey, just, could you just drop by the office? We're like, sure. No joke. Here's our expectations we thought he was going to thank us because for a month we had kept our noses completely clean. We had caused no problems, had done nothing with fireworks, nothing for a month. I mean, it was like it was going through withdrawals, but we were being really good. So we walked into his office and it wasn't just him. It was the entire disciplinary committee, six or seven of them. And everybody had a list on their table in front of them of the seven things that we'd done plus one. The eighth thing was that somebody got hurt in a, a wrestling match, a bunch of guys in one of the dorms were just having some fun, somebody got hurt, and uh, it got back to them that we were responsible. Uh, I had plans for my senior year. I didn't have plan to move out of my dorm. I didn't have plans to be threatened to be kicked out of school, but that's exactly what happened. Three days later, he calls us in, to a side room down near our cafeteria where we ordinarily would eat. And he says, hey, I've done some digging and I found out that you guys weren't even there. <laughs> we said, we know, that's what we told you. He says, so you can go back to your regular rooms, but you're still on watch. So we got up to leave and he goes, I don't even get a thank you. <laughs> yeah, you don't wanna know what my heart was saying right then. I didn't say it all out loud, but I was thinking of some things. But my expectations for my senior year just got annihilated from what I thought would be my senior year, what, what it would go like. And then I'm thinking about students this year who are seniors in high school or college, like what's their senior year? Like maybe their, 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 their entire educational career, they were looking forward to the senior year and everything's been changed. Expectations. Maybe, maybe 2020 has been for all of us uh, a reminder that expectations need to be held loosely. And the reason I say that we can, we can lower our frustration level and raise the potential for joy is because we are most often frustrated when our expectations aren't grounded in the Word of God and the truth of God and the promises of God. And we're most frustrated when maybe our expectations are in others and not grounded in reality. Let me, let me give you a picture of this. Say a young man gets married. Oh, man, this is amazing. His wife is beautiful. They have so much fun together. Um, it's so early on in the marriage, he actually listens. It's really, it's really special at this point. But a week after the marriage, he's frustrated because she's not cooking and cleaning and sewing her own clothes like his mom did. You know what I'm talking about? Expectations. We walk into relationships with different ex expectations. That's, that's one side. The other side could be a young man gets a brand new job. So he goes to his new job, but he's cynical and he's jaded because his last boss ridiculed him and he couldn't trust him. And, and so it's hard for him to trust anybody because he's never been trusted. 
Expectations can mess with our opportunities for frustration, so we've got to loosen those expectations. But, but here's the cool thing. We can, number two, tighten our grip on God and his promises. So this is two sides of the same thing. We've got to loosen the expectations, but we've got to hold tightly. We've got to tighten the grip on God and his promises. So Simeon, it says there, he is eagerly waiting. Like I said, I love that phrase. There is an expectation on his part, but it's not an expectation that's cemented in his own thought of how this is all going to work out. It's cemented in the promise that the Holy Spirit gave him. You're going to see the Messiah. You're going to see the Messiah. God's promise is more important than any of our circumstances, no matter how blindsided we are by them. A couple years ago, because I do uh, photography and I have several what I call Insta friends who are also photographers or people that maybe follow me or I follow them, I've I've run into some of them. Um, And then one time I, I met a lady named Lori. Uh, she was underneath the San Clemente Pier. In fact, can we show them that picture real quick? That, that's Lori right over there. She was, um, how do I say this nicely, in my shot. She was standing on the other side, and she was in my shot. And, and I was back there just, just waiting, and this lady walks into my shot and just stands there. And she's admiring the sunset like I am, but she's in my way. And so I politely walked up to her and I said, hey, excuse me, I'm, I'm all set back here with my tripod and stuff. I don't want to get this shot. Could you just give me like a minute or two and then I'll be done? And she goes, I am so sorry. She was so polite. And she moved to the other side, still in my shot. So I took the picture and I walked back up and I was going to just say one more time, could, I'm sorry, could you move just like 10 more feet? And I got up close and she looks at me and she goes, are you John? And I looked at her and I said, are you Lori? We had followed each other on Instagram because of photography stuff, but we had never met. And here we were meeting underneath the San Clemente Pier. Turns out that she and her husband are on staff of a large church up in Fontana. And so we exchanged numbers. We've uh, chatted about stuff. She actually has known some people in our church. And, and so it'd just be kind of cool to, to, to see that. I never got to meet her husband. And just a couple weeks ago, their whole family got COVID. Now, they're, uh, I like to say they're, they're my wife's age, <laughs> which means they're a year older than me. Um, but don't tell her I said that, and this is online, and everyone's going to see this. So anyway, uh, they all got COVID. Her and her husband and her son got COVID. Within a matter of a couple of days, he was taken to the hospital, wound up with a heart attack, double pneumonia, and his kidneys failed. He didn't make it. And so on Monday, they had the memorial service for Bob. Been on staff of this church for 20-some years. He was in charge of their prayer ministry. And so one of the hashtags they began during this process while they were still praying for him while he was in the Fontana Kaiser was pray like Bob prays. Because when somebody else was hurt, he would be there. He'd be praying for them. And so now it's, it's our turn to pray for him. In fact, at that hospital, Lori just sat in the parking lot every day because one of the hardest things about this year is when you have a loved one that's in the hospital sick, you can't be by their side. So she had a chair in the parking lot. The nurse put a heart on the window of his room so she knew exactly which room he was in and she could pray for him in that room. I watched that service and uh, I sent the link to my wife, and I said, you got to watch this. 
uh, about Lori and her husband, Bob. She said, well, I need Kleenex. And I said, yes. <laughs> and this is where she starts talking. One of the things she said just jumped out at me because of what I was working on about God's promises and our expectations. And she said, our hearts are broken, but our hope won't be. Our hearts are broken, but our hope won't be. And I'm like, you got to hang on to that. You got to tighten your grip on that. She said, God is up to something. And we may not see it now, but he's up to something. And then she said this. I want to quote her. She says, God doesn't promise things will always work out the way we want. But he does promise that he'll be in it. That's perspective. That, that's what it means to hang on tightly to the promise when our expectations get thrown out the window. Is God capable of healing? Yes. Did he heal in this case? Well, not the way maybe we wanted. But God was in it. Let me tell you about this. Lori, she's sitting in the parking lot, and she noticed people, because of COVID and the procedures and the protocols, she notices people standing in line to get into the ER, and they're outside, and it's freezing. Some of them stood outside for five hours. And so she started making phone calls from her chair in the parking lot. She says, anybody's got blankets, bring them down here. And they just started bringing blankets. Everybody in line got a blanket. God, God was in that place. It actually made the local LA news. It was on TV, what they did for the people in that waiting line for the ER. L listen to this again. Our hearts are broken, but our hope won't be. And I can understand that on my own level in so many different ways just because of people that I've lost to. But people I've lost who have this hope in Jesus, I know where they are. And maybe you have that same hope. Have you ever, let me shift gears for a minute. Have you, have you ever had like your arm fall asleep? Maybe you kind of like were leaning weird and then you just cut off the circulation and all of a sudden it's pins and needles, right? And you just, oh, it, it kind of hurts and it's like, ah. Or maybe you're sitting there and you got your legs crossed and you stand up, you go, ah, because your leg just like decided not to cooperate with your next step, right? So to, to be, um, Having a, having a limb fall asleep is simply a matter of uh, the blood is just not flowing like it's supposed to. Uh, the, the connection is not happening there. And what I love about Simeon's story, when it says in verse 28, Simeon was there, it's, it's really saying that he was connected. And maybe sometimes we feel distant from God, not because God has gone anywhere else. It's just maybe, maybe just the circumstances are clouding our perspective. Maybe sometimes it's it's our choice to be more disconnected during a time period. And then when we need him, we don't, we don't feel him. But Simeon was connected. The Holy Spirit led him. The Holy Spirit promised him. The Holy Spirit said, get there to the temple now. And so let's keep reading. Verse 28, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I've seen your salvation, which you've prepared for all people. He is light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. 
He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. While they were amazed at the words, some of the words weren't the most comforting words, were they? But they were real. Somebody once said, when, um, when life gives you lemons, make what? Lemonade. Yeah, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. So we've got some lemons. And this is what I figured out. There's, there's few things in life more enjoyable than giving a lemon to a little kid. Know what I'm talking about? And they take that bite and their face goes, whoa. And then they're like, more? And you're like, sure. <laughs> and you get out your phone and your camera. And you're like, oh. In fact, on the count of three, everybody make your lemon pucker face. One, two, three. Let me see them. Some of those are pretty pathetic because I don't think it's been a while since you've had a lemon in your mouth, right? So you get this lemon and it's just, it's sour. It's tough. And one of the things that we notice is little kids just keep coming back from work because they just don't know better yet. When they get a little bit older, you're like, hey, take a bite. And they're like, no. Now they finally realize you were just having fun at their expense. But that's what we do. But those are lemons. And we say, if you want to get some lemons and life hand you some lemons, you got to make some lemonade. Now, I've got one hand because I'm on mic, so I'm not going to do the whole thing. But we obviously know we're going to need some water. I do have that. It's in my... Celebrate recovery hydro flask. Okay, so there you go. So I, I could pour this in there, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. I was going to try to squeeze these with one hand, and that's not going to work. So you, you get the picture, right? So if you just put a bunch of lemons or squeeze the lemon juice in here and you add water, is that drinkable? No. It's going to make a pucker face still. You know, it might be diluted a little bit, but it's still pretty sour. What do you need? Sugar. Oh, good. I've got enough for the whole pitcher. No. That is not going to fly. It kind of did fly for just a minute. I don't know if you caught that, but... Uh, this is sugar. I'm, I'm not going to contaminate it. I'm not going to open it. I'm going to have my wife fog it and wipe it down later, but there is this is real sugar in here. And if you want to make lemonade to where you can actually drink it, you need a lot of this. I'm a sweet tea person. And to make sweet tea right, you have to have about this much sugar and about that much tea. That's how it works. Same thing with lemonade. And you can throw in strawberries and raspberries and blackberries, but you have to have sugar if you're gonna drink it. When life hands you lemonade, or when life hands you lemons, the sugar is the promise of God. I'm going to tell you, one promise of God is enough, but good thing there's a lot of promises of God. One promise of God is, is needed, but there's a bunch of promises of God. In fact, I, I want you to see this in Hebrews chapter 6. Just one other place I want you to look, and then we'll wrap this up. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. It says this, so God has given both his promise and his oath. So we're going to hang on tightly to his promise. He's given us his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God 
to lie. By the way, not the only place in the Bible that says that exact same thing. It's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we have fled to him for refuge and have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. He's saying we can actually go into the presence of God because of what he's done. And this promise, this promise, God is not going to just like, ah, I'm not going to do that anymore. His promise, his oath is good, and it is for us an anchor. And when life hurts the worst, man, we need an anchor. I had somebody who went to our church who uh, just messaged me this week, said their father-in-law passed away. They live in Nebraska now. And uh, they follow me on 60 Seconds, and so we, we still chat every now and then. And uh, they said, hey, my, my father-in-law just passed away. I'm supposed to say something at the service. Uh, do you have a verse for me? I gave him a few, but I said, my first one I gave him is Psalm 46. And he just says, even though the earth give away and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, God is our refuge. And for me, it's always been this picture of grief. It just feels like our entire world is just shaken. Our expectations have been demolished. But God is our refuge. Here he says he's our anchor. This, this promise is something we can hang on to. And so, like I said, this is just not going to do it. So, I will never leave you or forsake you, and we just pour it in. In fact, he says that's why you can be content with what you have. Talk about expectations. He says, I'm with you always, Jesus said, to the very end of the age. I'm with you. You're never going to be alone. He's always going to be with you. He says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He's not going to drop you halfway through the process. Yes, some assembly is required, but God's willing to put it into the work, and he's not going to run away from us. He says, you know, when we're, when we're generous with our time or our money or whatever it is, give, and it'll be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together. That's a promise. God causes everything to work together for good for those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Nothing, listen to this one, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. That's some more sugar in the midst of all those lemons. Nothing can separate us. He promises that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says even when we are tempted, he's going to provide a way out for us so we will not be conquered by that. He says you know, seek him first, and he will take care of all those things that we tend to worry about. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. You believe in me, you're going to live forever. These are the promises, just some of them, like sugar in the lemons, that, that makes what God says change everything for us because we can hold on to these promises. I, I do believe that when we start our relationship with God and, and when we're baptized, it's that public way of saying, I believe in the promise of God to take my sin, to wipe it out, to give me a new life in him. We just go public with that. But all week, since I started reading this in Luke chapter 2, I've been thinking about my mom. Just a couple of years ago, she got to go home and be with Jesus. But the line that got me was Simeon was eagerly waiting. And we watched my mom the summer that she passed away. She passed away the end of August. And in July and August, we could just see as, as her physical strength diminished more and more, her hope and her excitement and her eagerly waiting to see Jesus face to face grew and grew and grew. 
I don't know if I've ever told anybody else this outside of our family, but she told us one time, she goes, if I fall down and pass out, don't call the ambulance. She's ready to go home. She was ready. She was eagerly waiting. And how could she have that kind of hope? How did she know for sure where she was going to go? <laughs> because she had spent her life focused on the promises, what God had told her and what Jesus had done for her. And you can have that. You can have that hope, that promise too. If this is all new to you, I just want to say, um, reach out to us. Just, just email us, office at community.cc. If you're in the room with us afterwards, you want to just pray with somebody, make your way up here. Somebody will talk to you. Somebody will help you with this stuff. We, we want you to get that relationship started with him. Not, not that we're perfect or we've earned that. It's just that we believe what God said. We trust him. It is that anchor for us. And so what we're going to do is we move on into 2021, because I'm going to tell you right now, we don't know what that's going to be like either. We're going to hang on loosely to our expectations. We're going to hold on like crazy to the promises of God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, what a great reminder from a guy that we don't know much about, Simeon, that we can hang on to your promises and we can see what you're up to even though it doesn't necessarily always match what we expected or even wanted. And while sometimes our hope may waver and our hearts are broken, our hope will not be broken. We're going to look for you to be in the situations, whatever they are. And God, I pray for our church in particular in this valley right now, in this season. There's a lot of people hurting. There's a lot of people who feel alone. There's a lot of people who are struggling. God, put people on our radar that just need some encouragement, some help, some hope, a phone call, a text, a message. Send us out, not, not just so that we come here and feel better about our relationship with you, but that we go out and we live it out throughout the week. God, put people on our heart, put people on our minds. Send us out. We could be difference makers for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you. See you later.